Hi, welcome. So glad that you can join us again today. Listen, I want to talk about a subject today that's a very current subject, a relevant subject to many people in the times in which we're living. I want to talk about how God encourages us not to worry. Like I said, we're living in a time where anxiety and worry seem to be normal or portrayed as an accepted thing, something uh, that the news and the media almost encourage us to be doing. It's like you turn on the news and the media and all you hear is headlines like the cost of living going up, the fuel crisis, the pandemic, COVID, um, interest rates rising. Um, One thing after another, you hear the news dispensing things that are sent to really bring worry and anxiety into the heart of a person. And that's outside of the normal worries or anxieties that a person could be subject to with things in their own health, things in their own relational situations. Now, we're living in a time, like I said, where the world or the spirit of the world really wants us to be giving our hearts away to worrying, anxiety, fear, dread. But yet God brings us words that cuts through worry and anxiety to bring us to a place of peace in uncertain times. Even if a storm is blowing, the words of Jesus are to come in to the boat of our life and cause those storms and those winds to cease and peace to reign supreme in the hearts of those who have set their hearts on following him. You see, for those who belong to God, the words of Jesus should cut through any fears or worries that are trying to possess our hearts or take our attention. He promises us certain things, even in the midst of storms that we may be facing. Like I said, you may be in a storm right now. There may be a storm that's trying to bring worry and anxiety into the core of who you are. What you need today is to let the words of Jesus Christ cut through those worries, those cares and anxieties to bring a peace, a rest, a joy back into the core of who you are. Now, The Bible for us as believers is not just a book. It's not a book of concepts, facts, historical thoughts and records, but it's the word of God still living and relevant for us today. Now, we understand that the word of God is the manual of God for how we should live, that it was written by men, but it was inspired by God. So though the words that we read were penned or written by men, they were only taking notes from God who was giving them what they should write down in this manual for living called the Bible, not just for the saints in the time that it was written, but for you and me also. You see, the Bible isn't just a book. It really is the living, um, alive word of God to us today in the situations that we may be facing. It's the promises of God for what we can expect. It's the instruction of God that he still gives to us. It's still relevant and active for all that trust in him. Now, his word comes to us 
to bring change within us so that the things outside of us don't affect us like they would affect somebody that we could call an unbeliever or somebody that doesn't believe in God. Now, I want us to turn today and spend some time today in these incredible passages that we find in Matthew chapter 6, reading in verse 25, 34. I'm going to read through this passage of scripture, which is not written from a book. It's the living word of God that's coming into your world, into your situation today. And I want you to imagine Jesus standing in front of you, teaching you these things in the year that we're in, in the midst of the things that you're facing. Now, when we look at this passage of scripture, it's called the Beatitudes. We know it's that moment where he's speaking on a mount to people. I was talking to Pastor Gina this week and we've been spending a lot of time in Matthew 6 and she reminded me that this was an incredible moment where God came down and did a seminar on how to live. Think about that for a moment. We know that the fullness of God was seen and reflected in his son, the expression of who he was, Jesus. But we know that God is the originator the one who made everything, the architect, the giver of life. Yet in this moment, yes, we see Jesus sitting on a mountain telling people how to live the most blessed life that they can live. But let's not forget that Jesus was God come down. So when we see Jesus sitting on this mountaintop, speaking to people just like you and me on how to live life correctly, we're hearing the designer of life instructing us the best way to live out the life that he's given us to live. But I want you to imagine that Jesus is in your living room. Jesus is in your kitchen. Wherever you are today, Jesus is speaking these words to you like the first time that they were spoken to the people that first heard them. So in the Beatitudes, all this incredible sermon on how to live life, he covers so many different aspects of life, forgiveness and different things, how to pray, how to build your life. But then we come to this section in verse 25 of chapter 6 of the book of Matthew. And he starts to talk about a subject that was relevant to people then and a subject that's still relevant to people today. And that subject, like we said, is, is worry, anxiety, having cares that weigh you down. Let these words cut through any force of worry in your life today. You ready? Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Hey, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them And they're of much more value. Um, You are of much more value, sorry, than them. Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour or inch to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They neither labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all this splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, and it's thrown into the fire, will he not much more 
take care of your clothing or clothe you? Oh, you little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans or the unsaved or those that don't belong to God run after these things. But your heavenly father, your heavenly father knows that you need these things. But rather seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all of these things that you could strive or be worried about will be given to you. Another translation says he'll add to your life. And then he says in verse 34, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Sufficient is the day of the worry thereof, right? Each day has enough trouble of its own. These are incredible words spoken by Jesus to the people that were listening in that moment 2000 years ago. Yet they're still living words that he's speaking to us today because just like they were his sheep and he was their shepherd. So today he's our shepherd and we're his sheep. I've got nine very quick things I want to draw from this passage of scripture to encourage your heart today. Number one, notice he says three times and actually doesn't say he commands Do not worry isn't a suggestion, it's a commandment given by God to us. He says it in verse 25, verse 31 and verse 34, if you're taking notes, just take those verses down, 25, 31, 34. Three times God, the author and maker of life, speaks to us concerning how to live our best life, this concept, this thought, this command. Do not worry. Now, we know that God never wastes words. So if he's going to say something three times, he really, really wants people to get it. Many times God only said something once because he doesn't waste words. Three times Jesus says to us, do not worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Then another thought that I want to grab is how he speaks about natural daily things. So often we can think of God providing spiritual things, which he does. But also here, Jesus underlines the natural things of our daily life, the clothing that we need, the food that we need. And I love that he uses natural and botanical examples to make his point. He says when it looks like when it comes to clothing, look to the field, look to the botanical and see how I show off with my provision to what the fields would wear and the, and the grass would look like. But then also he compares to the birds, to the natural realm. Look at birds that don't have the purpose of humanity. They're not made in God's likeness. They don't, they don't live on the earth to serve God's purposes and to walk in relationship with him like humanity does. But look how I take care of the smallest birds. But then he says to us, I'm not going to match what I do for them. How much more will I care for you? I really believe that it's about understanding our value and our worth. But some people 
I believe, sadly, don't believe they're of more worth than a bird. When you need to hear today, you're of great worth to God. It says that in verse 26 in that passage that we're reading. But we've got to understand that we're of great worth and value to the Father. I hope you know that today. You're of great worth to God. You're not on the same level as mountains and trees and birds and lions. You were made in his image, restored, brought from separation into his family. Your father in heaven values you. You're of great worth to him. The fourth thing I want to look at today is how worry can't increase or bring anything to your life. I heard somebody say recently that actually worry is a form of atheism because if we worry when we know that God's promised us that he's got us, then we're actually guilty of doubting what he said he is and what he's going to do regarding the providence or the well-being of our life. No, we're not called to live in any form of atheism. We're not called to have our life shortened by the consequences and the ramifications of fear and worry and anxiety. We're called to live as followers of Jesus, a better life experience than that. Because life can't, sorry, life, worry can't add anything to us. It only ever takes from us. Another thing that I see um, in verse 31, it says, don't let it fill your heart or fuel your confession. Let's look at that together. In verse 31, it says this. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? You see, what you say comes from what you believe. If you have worry and anxiety in your heart, thinking that God will not provide for you, that's what triggers your confession or the words that come out of your mouth of fear, unbelief, stress, anxiety. And where it's coming from is something you're believing within your heart. Oh, today, let's let the words of Jesus Christ cut through the storm and the winds that are trying to possess our attention and bring fear into the centre of who we are. Rather, let's let the words of God bring faith, hope, security, to that innermost being of who we are, so that our words suddenly change from words of fear and unbelief to words of God's got this. God's going to make a way where there seems to be no way because he promised that he would. Another thing that I love hearing is that it says, don't compare yourself to somebody that's a pagan or unsaved. Again, that's about our value and our worth as children of God, that just because your neighbours to the left or your neighbours to the right may be going through something and you see them worry, anxiety, fear, weighed down with cares. Listen, if they don't know Jesus, there's a different experience to what they can know in life, to what God wants you to know in life. And in these verses, so much fruit. This is just a smorgasbord. This is just a a box filled with God truth, this passage of scriptures. But another one that jumps out to us is this thought. Don't consider yourself as somebody who's unsaved, a pagan, 
somebody who doesn't or hasn't placed their life under the care of a living God. Then I love these statements towards the end where it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What's Jesus saying to us? Worry isn't your portion. Anxiety, early death is not your portion when it's the consequence of fear racking your body. That's not God's best for you. Then what should we focus on? Well, Jesus says, all I want you to focus on is just seeking first my kingdom, my rule and reign, my kingdom life and my righteousness. Another way of putting that is seek first the kingdom of God and right relationship with God. Just concentrate on being a citizen of his kingdom. Just concentrate on walking in daily relationship with him, having a healthy prayer life, knowing his word. And he promises that if you do that, then him and his father will add to your life everything that he already knows that you need. Sometimes we forget, don't we, that God already knows what we need before we ask. Sometimes I know that when I've not taken time to manage worry or care or anxiety in my life, my prayers can sometimes sound like, God, you need to know about this. God, I need to let you know about this. Imagine if we were walking with a God that was unaware of anything in our life, that would remove him from being the omnipotent, the all-present, the all-knowing God. But he reveals to us that he is. Now, God knows what we need before we ask. But also Jesus encourages us to bring our petitions, talk to him about the needs in our life, but not out of a place of worry or anxiety, but out of a place of faith. As a child would approach a father, mum, dad, you know I need this. As a sheep would look to a shepherd, knowing that the shepherd's role was to feed, to lead and to provide everything that the sheep needed. In the same way, we're to approach God and say, thank you, Lord. As I invest my life, not into worry, but to seeking you, seeking your kingdom, living a kingdom life, walking in right relationship with you. Everything else I need, the clothes I wear, the food I eat, the air travel tickets I need to purchase, everything that could be summed up as our natural needs. You've promised that you will provide and add to my life. So if a person that lives next door to you isn't a Christian yet or doesn't know Jesus, you see them striving, burning themselves out to gain things that they need. And so they should because they're the God of their own life. But that's not what it is for you and me. The Bible says that as we seek first the kingdom of God and right relationship with him, he will add to our lives all of the things you see the unsaved people sometimes dying of stress to get because he knows what we need. Okay, let's look at one last thought that the Bible encourages us in verse 34 to treat each day like its own package. Oh, how easy is it for any of us to begin to invest heart into what's going to happen next week? 
What's going to happen in a month? Many people are striving and they're not enjoying the life they have today because they're worrying about what will happen when they retire. And they're not taking a moment to enjoy everything that God's given in this beautiful day that's called today. Jesus encourages us not to do that. He says enough for the day is the worry thereof. The issues and the things that we can face every day are enough for each day. Don't invest time worrying in today, rather have faith in God for today. But also don't invest your time worrying about things that aren't seen, aren't known, aren't actual. They're just fear-based. It's fear telling you things that are real and that may happen, that have no substance of promise to back them up. Let's let the promises of God that comes from our Father in heaven be the things that fuel our expectations of our today, but also our tomorrow. Let's build our life upon the word, knowing that this word, this scripture, this the words within your Bible are spoken to you today as they were spoken to that first group of people that gathered around this seminar when God taught how to live your best life. Okay, let's bring this in for a bit of a landing today. When I read Matthew 6, it reminds me so much and parallels so well with Psalms 23. And again, within Psalm 23, we see a young 19, 20 year old shepherd called David looking at his relationship with God through the lens of what he's seen being a shepherd leading the sheep that he's been leading. And he gives us some of these conclusions in Psalms 23. Psalm 23 is apparently the most well-known verse of scripture. And uh, I heard Gina say recently, a lot of people don't ever use it apart from at funerals and moments of death, when actually Psalm 23 is for the living. It's saying to you, the Lord, your shepherd, you will not want. It's a promise for the living, not just those who have passed away. It reminds us that we are his sheep, the sheep of his pasture. He is our shepherd. His role is to feed, lead and provide what we need. Our role is to rest and trust what our shepherd is doing in the day that we find ourselves in. Even if there's wolves around or things that come to harm us, God says that he lays a table for us, even in the presence of our enemies, so that our enemies get to watch us feast. That's the life that Jesus wants us to live. But that's the life that comes from choosing to trust in him. So what are we to do with all these daily worries and cares that come to consume our heart, cause us stress, bring fear into our thinking, into our families? Well, let's close by reminding ourselves what's written in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, where it speaks again of our cares, our anxieties and our worries. And it just makes this statement. Cast all your anxieties, your worries and your fears on him because he cares for you. When you study that word, he cares for you. It means he is now your care giver. Before you belonged to Jesus, your life was your responsibility. 
what you wore, what you ate, the days that laid ahead, the weeks, the months, the years. They were all in your hands because you were a self-made person worshipping the person that had made you, you. But that's not us today. We're now children of God. We're his sheep. He's our shepherd. He's our caregiver. Maybe today it would be a good time just to remember these things. As we live in this world that's distributing and dispensing worry and fear, that takes away the heart of people. Let's not be like that anymore. But let's be people that come and sit at the feet of our father with confidence and say, Father, thank you that you have promised to meet my daily needs today, tomorrow and the rest of my days. You know what I need before I ask. Father, I thank you that you said to me three times, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. So today I take my worries and my cares and I cast them at your feet, knowing that you've promised now to be the one that provides my needs and leads me where I need to go. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you today for people that are watching this in homes, in workplaces. Father, people that have been absorbing fear and worry, losing sleep, being anxious, having their health affected by this demonic thing called worry. Father, I pray for them today. Let peace pass upon your heart right now. Let peace rest on your heart right now. As you cast your cares upon him, as you let go of things that you've been holding on to, thinking it's your responsibility, as you cast those things at the feet of Jesus, right now let his peace that passes all earthly understanding flood your life, fill you with hope, expectation, so that you're not moved by what you see or hear on the news, but you're moved and settled by what his word has promised will be your experience. Father, I thank you that you haven't given a spirit of fear, but of power, love and a sound mind. Let fear be broken off of life. Let anxiety and the storm of anxious living and thinking stop right now. And let that peace that passes all understanding fill homes, fill people, fill families. Father, today we choose to believe that your word is a word for us today. And we respond to what you're saying to us, Lord Jesus. We will not worry. We will not worry. We will not worry. God bless you. Have an incredible week filled with the goodness of God.